Isn't that a wonderful passage? And it remind us of what we have in Christ as we celebrate this kingdom. You know, this, uh, the, uh, the passage that was just read, and Denny, wonderful job doing that. It was, uh, it was written 700 years before Jesus came to this earth at a time of great turmoil. Uh, the nation was, uh, of Israel was wandering from God. There was the, the southern kingdom was, was battling for faithfulness itself. It was a time of, of, of great uh, strife, anxiety, fear. And in the midst of that, God speaks to the prophet a message of, of not one of judgment, not one of war, not one in which he says, well, you people who continue to walk away from me, uh, there's going to be one born, uh, but he's going to destroy you. Uh, he's going to give you your comeuppance. For to us a child will be born, a son will be given. And the government's going to be on his shoulder, that's a lot of power, but not for our destruction, but would be known as something as a prince of peace. <laughs> and could we use peace today? Is our world maybe a little chaotic? Is there strife and hatred? Is there difficulty that we live around? Yeah, I think that we, we recognize that in our current world, like, uh, we're a divided people, and especially our country right now. I don't know if I've ever experienced a time in, in the few decades that God has given me on this planet that I've seen people so divided, but it's not the first time in history. Uh, division is a natural art form that humans have, have created. We've mastered it, right? We really do. Uh, it's just the nature of the brokenness inside of us, right? It's why we look with such astonishment that in, in Revelation it says that before God's throne, at the very end, when he makes all things right, there are going to be people there from every tribe and nation and language, that there's going to be this, this peace amongst all of this difference because in this world, difference doesn't cause peace. It causes chaos. And if you doubt that, then I would encourage you to find someone in our culture that is very, very far on the political left and somebody very, very on the political right and have them sit down and try to have coffee with each other. We're divided. Right? This is the nature of this world. And why are we divided? Why do we, we break up like this? Well, it's, it's selfishness, it's pride. Selfish identity is what causes division amongst people. It has from the very beginning, it does so now. And those selfish identities come from our distinctives. It's easy to be around people like me because I'm like me and I like me. Right? And if you're not like me, we probably won't like each other. That's the way the world works. And so if you see the world different, you, you, you act different, you have different values, all these things, all of a sudden it's easy for me to think that you might be a threat. You're difficult. It's, it's like there's a dissonance in the relationship, right? It's, we don't necessarily match. There's no harmony there. And because of this, division in our world oftentimes steals love. It destroys civility. It breaks community. And we are all witness to that. Much worse, we're party to it a lot of the time. But it's not just in society. Isn't it that way in our homes? And amongst our, 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 our family groups and friends? 
that we have a much easier time having compassion on those who are very much like us and those who are opposed to us, we get defensive, fight or flight. It's the way of the world that we have this division of, and, this, and this loss of civility which causes animosity and hatred. When somebody wounds you, it's really hard to be kind. When somebody is attacking you, it's really hard not to want to defend yourself and destroy them. And so we find in our world, it's oftentimes feels like we are in the midst of a raging sea. We're just no rest, no peace. Yeah, remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about John's vision of the throne of God in heaven sitting above the, the sea that was completely glassy and at peace. That amidst the chaos of this world, our God has always brought order. In the midst of brokenness, he's brought healing. In the midst of strife, our God is a prince of peace. And we're going to talk about that this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open them to the book of 2 Corinthians. Okay, And that's the New Testament book. We're going to be in chapter 5. And so uh, we're going to be on page 805 if you have one of our Bibles. And, and, and uh, we're going to read through that, and then we're going to talk a little about how this Prince of Peace, once he showed up, I mean, Jesus showed up, how does it affect us? How does it undo the brokenness and the tension of this world, right? So we can walk out and be maybe advocates and participants in the peace of God instead of those who participate and advocate for the division that we <laughs> currently see everywhere. And as we go into this, uh, recognize that the Second Corinthians was written to a church that was in the midst of quite a bit of division, right? It was a church that, that had a lot of difficult problems. It was in a city that was known well for their pagan worship, right? It was a, it was a very uh, uh, prosperous kind of city, but there was a lot of, of different kind of worship. Politically, they were split as to, you know, which part of the, the Roman Empire, they, how they thought things ought to be run. There was a lot of division in the Corinthians uh, community, as well as the Corinthian church. And Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, goes through and addresses this all the way through the book. It's, it's pretty profound, and I encourage you to read this. But, but I want you to notice, we get to chapter 5, we're nearing the end. He's made his arguments as to who God is and, and how we practice the, the very practical things of peace. Notice how division in the church and in community and in life is countered with God's peace. So let's begin. We'll start with uh, verse 16. It says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded, uh, we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new creation is here. The old has gone, the new creation is here, and all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That God was not re reconciling the world to himself, and Christ, was not counting people's sins against them, and he um, was not counting people's sins. I just lost my space. I'm so sorry. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting people's sins against them. And he would, has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We, theref we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, though, as though God were making his appeal through us. We employ you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of my salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Isn't that a wonderful passage? And I will clean off the smudge of my glasses before second service because that wasn't giving me peace. But I think it's amazing that in this particular passage we go through that, that, that God doesn't reach to his people and say, you know what, I died on a cross for you and you still are being all selfish and all prideful. You're still dividing up over things and, and all of that. And so uh, I'll tell you what, I'm different than you. I'm a holy God. And so I'm just going to create peace by destroying you because I see you exactly as you are. He could have done that. Or he could have said, submit to me out of fear. But he didn't. And that he doesn't use blunt force. That God didn't declare war on humanity. That he did something so much more profound, so much better. That Jesus, he didn't show up as a God of wrath to us. And I want you to consider that just for a moment. That when the king of eternity shows up on earth and we are in active rebellion against him, he could have gone to war and devastated humanity. It's shocking that he didn't. That's how we would do things. Right? I remember several times when I would show up and my son, who was a wonderful kid, would sometimes be doing something naughty. And then I would show up and it wasn't like, woohoo, dad's home. I was like, oh no, caught red-handed. We've been caught red-handed, committing treason against the king of the universe, and he shows up, and the angels declare joy, <laughs> peace on earth, goodwill towards men on whom God has great favor, that the prophet even long ago predicted this, that Jesus in his identity as he came to us did not just come about in his own distinctives as just the king of glory and showing up in all of his radiance and brilliance, but became like us so that he could reign as a prince of peace. And that's really the first thing I think this passage shows us, that as Christians, one of the reasons we celebrate this time of year, that one of the reasons that there is so much hope that we have for our future is because Christ is, is the Prince of Peace now. It says in Isaiah 9, 6, he will be called Prince of Peace. That is the effect of his kingdom. This is how he will be known. He is a wonderful counselor. Jesus is never going to tell you wrong. He's a good counselor. He's not going to give you bad advice. He knows how the world works because, yeah, he made it, Right? He's a mighty God. He's able. He's, he's present. He's able to do what he wants to do, right? He's, he's powerful enough to make sure that his will will happen, that, that his kingdom will come. He is a mighty God. He is an everlasting father. He loves us. He's not going to abandon us. He provides for us. He protects us. He does all those wonderful things. There's affection that he has for us, right? Those are all parts of his identity, but how we know him, the, the effect of his kingdom, he is a prince of peace. We serve a prince of peace, my brother says, not a God of war. Let that sink in for just a moment. For many other religions in this world, 
serve gods of war. And they will go to war against anybody who thinks different or looks different. And they will slaughter others believing it's holy in order to do so. And even those who don't have a God that they think they're worshiping, a lot of times we worship ourselves in pride. And Can't we be the worst gods of war there ever were? You offend me and I get angry? I mean, isn't that what road rage is? How dare you? You have blasphemed me by cutting a front. We do awful things. We are offended and we snap back. We go to war. We want to destroy our enemies, don't we? For the sin of not already thinking and agreeing and acting in a way that I like. How many homes and relationships have been destroyed because of this? How many of us go into to our, our families or, or our businesses or into community feeling as though it's just one battle after the next and we have enemy after enemy we just have to slay because they're bad people and if they would just line up, right? But this is not following the God who, who we serve. The effect of his kingdom is one of peace. In fact, at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he has this declaration, blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be known and called the children of God. One of the things that we have stepped away from and stepped out of was the darkness of death and destruction and anxiety and, 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 and animosity. That God has welcomed us into the light of his peace. It doesn't ignore or, or it doesn't say that, that wickedness is okay. Jesus, the, the, the mighty father, right? The, the mighty God, everlasting father, he's, he's good enough. He can take care of vengeance is his. But for us, he invites us into a new way, a better way. He, he's, a, he's a prince of peace. It's who he is. Wherever Jesus is, souls will begin to find peace. Families will discover a different kind of peace. The world has a different way of peace. It's who he is. This is what Christ does. It's how his kingdom works. That's why in that passage to a church in great turmoil, it says we have to stop regarding people the way the world does. We don't regard people the way the world does any longer. We once regarded Christ that way, but we don't do that anymore. We recognize that Jesus wasn't just a... a, a wise Jewish man. He was God incarnate. And that he's worthy of our worship. And he saves us. Well, if that's true, we'd also recognize that he made us something new. When he made us something new, he called us to a new way of life. The church needs to be filled with people who are broken and being made whole. That's that's who we need to be filled with. Otherwise, it's going to be empty because there are no other kind of people. And if they're broken people being made whole, which means they're going to be broken. That none of us are perfect. Every one of us has sin. Every one of us has our our failings. Every one of us is going to step on the other's toes as we learn how to walk in this new way of life together. We can't just look at somebody of who they are today because who they are today is not who God is making them to be eternally. I'm not done yet, and neither are you, and I'm happy about that. Like, heaven, we're going to be a lot better people. God is making us into that, but in right now, 
We can't regard each other about who we are right now and define each other by our brokenness and our little distinctives and our own petty ways of we think we ought, the world ought to be. The kingdom of God, it, it works a different way. We regard people not just how they act now, but we see through the hope of Christ who God is making them, who they truly are and who we truly are. Which means that, that, that there's a whole other way of life that God has welcomed us into, that Jesus is our Prince of Peace. And one of the reasons, the way that we look at that is, is how Jesus doesn't just create peace amongst each other, but first and most profoundly is that Jesus declares peace between us and God. That is the most amazing thing. right? We were once enemies of Christ. That's what Scripture says, while we were his enemies. What did Christ do? Did while we were his enemies, Christ brought the judgment of God down upon those pagans? No. While we were his enemies, Christ died for sinners. That's what he did. Why did he do that? To win and to purchase and to create a peace between us and God. He took the wrath of God on our behalf. That's what that wonderful word in the New Testament, Romans, where it talks about how God, he, he doesn't just uh, reconcile us back to God, but he propitiates us, right? That means that, that God's wrath landed on, on Jesus. That all the anger, when somebody gets mad, like does something that makes you mad, you have a right to be mad. They violated something with you, right? That if, uh, if there's injustice, somebody steals something from you, you should feel upset about that. You shouldn't be like, hey, hey, somebody stole something from me. Somebody insults you. That's not good. You have a right. There's an injustice there. But what do you do with that injustice? Well, we've been insulting God from the beginning. We've taken his creation and used it against him. We, we take the beautiful things that God gives us and wound the people he loves all the time. We take his, his, his wonderful laws and then we, we just say, well, God, well, those are horrible laws. We don't want to do things your way. We've we're been awful. But... Uh, Instead of, of just taking that wrath and pouring it out on us, the, each one of us deserving it, what did he do? He had to go somewhere and land it on Christ. He took it. It's not just that Jesus paid the legal fine or the punishment for our sins. He took the emotional wrath of God on our behalf. It was poured out and, and expended. There is no more wrath. Think about a cup. You have a cup filled with something. Eventually, you could pour that cup out, and then there's nothing left in there. You could tip it up. You can pretend there's stuff in there, but it's an empty cup. God's wrath has been poured out on Christ. God's not mad at you anymore. He's not wrathful towards you anymore. That's what Jesus took. What he said to, to, uh, to his disciples, you can't drink this cup I'm about to drink. It was hard. And that's why the crucifixion was so brutal. That's why it was so difficult. That Jesus declares a peace with us with God. Our crimes have been paid for. We are, yes, we are not guilty before God. We received his mercy. But we've also come to a point that we can receive his friendship and his kindness, his goodness and his mercy. And the reality that Jesus died and paid for our sins past, present, and future means that there's never going to come a time where we will fall out of God's good grace. He has reconciled you to himself. Could there be a better gift? That God's not up in heaven waiting for you to slip up so he can take it to you. It's not the way he is. God's not up in heaven saying, well, 
I guess I have to help you. I'm legally obligated to. He loves you. He's at peace with you. It's our job now to make sure that we learn how to be at peace with God. He's already forgiven you. And there are going to be a lot of things in our brokenness and our misunderstanding and our selfishness and our pride and all the things that are broken in our spirit that will still sometimes rise up and, and judge God because he's not like us. But God doesn't retaliate that. He just tells us, lay that down. He's declared peace. He declared a mighty and eternal peace between you and me. Isn't that amazing? This is why we walk to the throne boldly, that we could talk to God, and he doesn't just look for them, look for a reason to turn us down. He finds enjoyment in his children, that we serve a prince of peace, and he declares a peace between us and God. I love that he did it first. We need to receive it, but the peace is there. But it doesn't just end at that point. There is one thing obnoxious about people who are spiritually attuned and at total peace with themselves and are awful to others, right? The hypocrites, the, the people who, who have a seeming a great relationship with God but treat other people like trash. And, and Jesus in New Testament really says, how can you possibly claim to know God whom you haven't seen if you hate the people that are his children whom you have seen? Which is why Jesus doesn't just declare peace between us and God. He does something even further, is that he commands peace between us and others. And this is where the light of the gospel shines and why it's so powerful in this world of division. It, it works in an entirely unfair way. Anybody who like, operates thinking that fairness is a good thing, here's the thing. God is not fair. If God was fair, we'd all be God and then we'd all be miserable. Right? There is no fairness in creation. Right? It's not the way that, that God created. He made it righteous and just. And here's the thing, that God unfairly took our sin so that he could declare a peace when we didn't deserve it. Not fair, but it was righteous. And now he says, now that you have peace with me, that you know that I have a plan for you, that I'm with you, that, that I'm for you, not against you, that I'm going to gift you all the things that you need so that you are able to fulfill the good works that I prepared in advance for you to do. I've set you up for success. All right, I love you. But now what you need to do is, is you need to declare peace with others. You, you need to make sure that this, my kingdom, who operates in peace, continues that way. That God's kingdom will never be advanced through violence. Never be advanced through violence. <laughs> Physically, emotionally. It doesn't work that way. He, that's why it's so unfair. The enemy doesn't have a defense to it. Our world doesn't. It, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through, or 19 through 20, that, that he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. We're pleading with other people, as though on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He even calls us ambassadors. My alma mater, Caleb's alma mater, we are the ambassadors. Like other teams get to be like lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, right? We get to be ambassadors. That's, that's what our, our sports teams, right? Because that's a totally different way of going. We're not there to tear the world up. We're ready to turn the world right. That's what we do. That's what the kingdom of God does. We want to see justice. I want to see justice so bad. I, I hate the fact that I, I see the corruption in this world. I hate it. It drives me nuts. It makes me angry. 
right? Really does. But what do I do with that? The world fights like this. Corruption makes me mad. Go to war. Kill the bad guys. Just kill my enemies. Well, that's the way the world works, and it hasn't worked very well. Jesus doesn't come to kill his enemies. He comes to make his enemies alive. And so we bless those who persecute us. We forgive those who insult us. We are kind to those who are cruel to us. We declare peace when others declare war. It's the idea of turning the other cheek, not permitting other people just to enable their sin, but to say, I refuse to engage in this futile conflict any longer. There's a better way. I forgive. I stand in the peace of Christ. I don't want to see God's enemies destroyed. I want to see God's enemies transformed into his children. That's what I want. Not to become like me, but to become like Christ. That's what I want. That's the world of peace. This transforms us. It transforms us in our homes. When we hold our tongue and don't say what the other person deserves, but specifically don't give them what they deserve, but instead say, wow, that hurt, but I love you and I forgive you. That's a powerful thing. When in our, our companies and our businesses where we work, when we have people who are just nasty, 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 intentionally telling us things that they know offend us, instead of going back and saying, well, someday you'll be sorry, right? Or going to humiliate them because of the, the, the craziness that they're talking. Man, oh, that hurt. But I love you more than that. And you are so much more this argument, and I refuse to fight. It's a different way. We declare peace. We are Christ's ambassadors. How can the world know that God loves them if we hate the world? And so, this is the battle that we have. That we, we go and declare peace, not just to others that we like, others that we have a natural affinity towards. I mean, Jesus said, anybody can love their friends. We get to love our enemies which is the highest and most powerful calling. It is a, a source of great bravery, and many don't have the strength and the fortitude to do it. But God is with us, and he is bigger than we are. And if we rely on him, he gives us the capacity to do even the impossible, to love our enemies, because God loved us when we were his enemy. And he does that because he's the Prince of Peace. So if you want to love this world and declare peace and create peace in your home and in a community and society, which I think that we all agree our world could need, we have to start by receiving that peace with God. We have to lay down that, that war that we've had against him and his ways. Right? We have to say, God, you know what? I, I don't understand. There's a lot of wounds in this world and there are things that I'll get, but, but I'm not at war with you. To lay that down. And we can do that because we know that the throne we're approaching is not a God of, of vengeance, that we're approaching the very Prince of Peace himself. So this week we celebrate the light of peace. Not just the hope for our future, but a very powerful and present peace that we live in today that changes our life, our world, our community. Right? It changes the perspective of everything. It is the operation of God's kingdom come on earth that peace is brought here and grows from here. And so Jesus, our Prince of Peace, has brought us peace with God and he commands peace with others. 
And as we celebrate Christmas, as we prepare for that, it's a time for us to prepare our hearts for that as well. Do you know this is a great opportunity this time of year for conflict? You recognize that? We can also turn that into an opportunity for forgiveness and for mercy and for grace and for peace. It's not going to happen by accident. It's going to come when we, when we center on Christ, we remember what he has done, and we celebrate his birth in the best possible way, reconciling people back to God. So how do we do that? Well, I've got some next steps for you. First one, if you've got your connection card, first thing I'm going to have you do is, uh, why don't you memorize Romans 5.13? Because it's the God of hope, right? And peace is going to fill you with all joy as you worship him. Right? Take some time and remember that, that the peace of God comes from God, right? He's the one who fills us with that's who he is. If you want peace in your life, you need Christ in your life. Maybe take some time and reading that to see how God brings that peace. The second thing I'm going to challenge you to do is why don't you read 2 Corinthians? The church at a time in a community in a culture that was not particularly peace-filled. It was, it was filled with conflict. And yet, that church continued to, to unify and to, to declare God's goodness and peace. In fact, we still have the scripture today that guides us. So why don't you read that? It's a powerful one. Something else I'm going to encourage you to do, and this is hard, but I will tell you, it's strangely satisfying if you do it, and that's to pray for your enemies. Think about that person that you would just love to see have the be smited by God, okay? However that looks like, you know, like lightning, hole in the ground, open them up, whatever, you'd be like, ah, whoever that is. Maybe someone you know personally, maybe someone you know through media or whoever it is, pray for them. Not for their destruction, but for their salvation, for their reconciliation to God, right? That they'd be set free from the bondage of the darkness of destruction which they're living in. Right? Pray that God would give you a different heart towards them. Pray that God would allow you that you take those, uh, those wounds that you have and you forgive. That, that really means you're handing it off. You're handing whatever it is. You're giving those wounds to back to God. You're handing that, those, the, the vengeance over to him. Can you pray for your enemies this week? I think you're going to find that there's a peace in your spirit that happens when you begin to do that. It's, it's a powerful practice. And, and I think the one other thing that happens to you is why don't we declare peace through grace? If there's someone that you are having strife with right now, maybe members of your family, people at work, somebody your neighbor or something like that, can you begin to declare peace intentionally? Don't wait for them. Jesus didn't wait for us to get our act together before he came. While we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. Can you declare peace through grace? Not because they deserve it, but specifically because they don't deserve it. Begin practicing and say, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to choose to love you. It could be one person, but to declare peace through grace. What a wonderful practice to be able to shine that light of peace this week. Of course, if this week, if, uh, if you haven't had that peace with God, you haven't accepted that yet, then your first step needs to be becoming a Christian, becoming a follower of Jesus. Receive the peace between you and God. That's the only way you're going to have a foundation to be able to declare peace with others. You can't forgive until you've been forgiven. But God forgave you, and he loves you. And he took all of that sin and all of it nailed to the cross, but he also took all of his wrath and poured it out. There is no more. Step into the light of his grace and his mercy. And if you haven't done that, then do it today. What a perfect time to do it. Be saved by God's grace. It's through faith. And if that's you and you, and you need to take those steps, after the service, I want to be right up front. I want you to come and talk with me. And in fact, if uh, you just need prayer, 
that you're going through something difficult, come and talk with me. We'll pray for you as well because we are a family together building the peace of God in and through our lives as we celebrate you. Okay? Now, hopefully, I've given you all something to do. On those connection cards, let me know what it is so I can pray for you. Uh, write down your prayer requests because we do pray for you specifically each week. And all of you are going through your own little battles to let us support you. And then in a few minutes, we're going to have our, our offering is going to be taken. Take those green connection cards and put them in the offering basket along with your tithes and your gifts. Right? Allow that to be an expression of your faith to God. All right. Let me pray for you as, as you make these commitments. Heavenly Father, we love you, but that's not enough. Lord, we are enamored by you, but that's not enough. We, we want to worship you. We want to center ev- our everything around you, how we live, how we think. Father, uh, what we do, I ask that you would replace our selfishness, our, the, the, the things in our lives that separate us from others and cause such trivial and un- unnecessary hatred and animosity, that you'd remove those and get them out of the way, and that you would allow us to, to center on you. That, that our life would be filled with the hope and the peace of Christ, especially this week. Father, for those of us here today who have suffered uh, enormous wrongs uh, and, and inexcusable things and are uh, healing from very, very difficult wounds, I ask that your grace and your mercy would be on them afresh. Free them from the bondage of retribution, Father. Give them a new ministry and a a purpose and reconciliation. Help them to take steps of peace this week. For those who have difficulty in their homes and in their businesses, give them words and transformation in their their relationships as they go and declare peace instead of war. Father, I pray for our community and even our culture, which is so separate from you which is at war and hostility between your ways and and, and their ways. Father, that you would use this time to open many hearts to receive the grace and the mercy and the peace of Christ. Work through us in all of these things to bring yourself glory and your goodness. We pray all this in the wonderful name of our Savior Jesus.